Hello everyone, I'm The Touring, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Lore of the Apocalypse. On this show, I'm going to explore the lore of Werewolf the Apocalypse. With version 5 of Werewolf and a couple of official video games all right around the corner, I thought it was a great time to refresh my memory on over two decades of lore while inviting others along for the ride. If you like what I'm doing or have any questions, feel free to hit me up on either Twitter or Patreon, both of which I'm the underscore Toring, and that's T-O-E-R-I-N-G. That's enough for me, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Fire Cub. Have a seat, and we'll get started on tonight's lesson. As I mentioned in the past, there are three things that help define who you are as a werewolf. Breed, auspice, and tribe. We've gone over the first two, and now it's time to move on to the last one. There are currently 13 different groups of Garu that we refer to as tribes, and much like the Seps that we've discussed before, they're like a family. Unlike a Sept, they span across nations and entire continents, though. Some tribes are closely aligned with certain nations, social groups or classes, or even by familial bloodlines. Other tribes accept members from any and all of those groups, while others limit their membership to only those who meet certain criteria. We start our lesson on tribes with the Black Furies, who just so happen to fall into that latter category. Members of this tribe are the living incarnation of women's rage against misogyny, oppression, inequality, and the patriarchy. They believe themselves to be the daughter of Luna herself, although they call her Artemis, the Huntress of the Moon, where there are tales of women rising up against tyrannical and controlling men. The spirit of the Fury dwells. Made up almost exclusively of females, any male offspring of a human or wolf that breeds true are sent to another tribe for adoption, as their tribal totem Pegasus will not accept male Garu. The sole exception to this rule being males of the third breed. Whether Pegasus accepts them as a sign of mercy for the child or punishment for the mother, I do not know. To make up for this purposeful diminishment of their tribal population, the Furies actively recruit female Garu that have found themselves chafing under another tribe's rules. I once had the opportunity to speak with a Black Fury Galliard, and she told me that according to the tribe's history, Luna herself used to be their totem. But as they spread out from their ancestral home in Greece and Asia Minor, they were instead entrusted to Pegasus so that Luna could spread her attention across all of the Garu. It is their belief that Gaia created them from an all-female pack of black-furred wolves and set them upon their mission to protect and preserve the wild. These first werewolves were called the Gorgons, or Medusae, and their instinctive understanding of the connection between woman and the goddess made them a better fit for this task than any male or mixed pack ever could. These five black furies represented the five auspices. The oldest, of the new moon, Uralay, who was openly contemptuous of man, calling them the weaker sex and demanding that they be subjugated to women. Her younger sister Helena, the Thurge, knew that subjugating men would only lead to him rebelling and seeking to overthrow women. Stheno, the half-moon of the pack, was a mediator and leader by nature, so much so that her sisters and packmates called her 
mother, only half-jokingly, Medusa, the artisan, invoked terrible songs of battle when the pack engaged with the worm, and her rage was terrible to behold. And finally there was the youngest and supposedly most beautiful of the sisters, Isthmena, the Arun, who wielded a labrys or double-headed axe, beaten from pure silver, and was death to any who dared raise a hand against her or her sisters. These sisters settled in the lands around the Aegean Sea. With Luna herself as their guide, they nurtured the wild while battling worm and weaver spirits. They had an occasional spat with another tribe, but for the most part they lived peaceful lives in devotion to Gaia. This was, of course, not to last, as man advanced and claimed lands for himself. Soon after, determining that children come from him, and they were, by extension, also considered his, and likewise claimed, as was the woman from which the child was born. This subjugation of women quickly caught the attention of the ancient furies, and it was clearly a violation of the balance between man and woman that Gaia had intended. Some say that the furies' violent interventions to return the balance of nature kicked off the Imperium, but the way I figure it, it was just one of dozens or even hundreds of things that multiplied into it. Regardless, it was during the Imperium when the tribes spread out to the other parts of the world, and with them legends and myths of warrior women with no need for men beyond breeding. As the other tribes convinced the Furies to lay down their axes, most did, but some refused and broke off in from the main tribe to become what they now call Bacchantes. With the end of the Imperium, human populations boomed as the apes wrapped themselves in the tools of the weaver, who the Furies began to call the Namer. Where the wild is considered to be a woman and mother, the Namer is male and responsible for the stagnation and calcification of the world, as it attempts to control the wild, and by extension all those who can create life, or so the furries believe, and I kind of have to agree. This weaver-slash-namer patriarchy has taken many shapes and forms over the centuries since then, and in that same time countless generations of women, both mortal and kin, have fought side by side with the black furies to throw off those chains. In their views, women are intrinsically worthy of respect, honor, and even veneration due to their close ties to both Gaia and the Wild. While no fury will suffer the hand of a man acting as master or tyrant, they aren't, as some would lead you to believe, united in active misandry. While there are certainly some within the tribe who will never forgive or forget, for the most part the members willingly accept men as partners, helpers, lovers, and equals, but nothing more than equals. With the end of the Imperium, the Black Furies turned their energies towards battling the Patriarchy in any form, whether that be the Christian Church, the Holy Roman Empire, or the Inquisition. As the Namers' hold on Europe tightened during the Industrial Revolution, many packs of Furies fled to the New World, taking up the protection of cairns that they found there through negotiation, something that many of the tribes we'll talk about later chose to bypass. Some of these packs spread far to the south and led the Furies to be the first to establish cairns in the Amazon rainforest, leading to the Amazon name that they bore carrying over to the entire area. Fury aspires to keep her word, to stand tall rather than bend a knee, to guard and exult in the 
wildest places and to fight until her dying breath to make the world a better place. Their tribal rituals and rites emphasize tradition and sisterhood, and as a tie back to the roots tend to be held in the Greek language. This linguistic tradition carries over to other aspects of tribal life as they refer to the camps within the tribe as kukloi, or circles. These individual circles are held accountable to a high council called the Outer Calyx, whose members are known throughout the tribe, and a much more secretive inner calyx, the members of which are mostly unknown. All of these daughters of Gaia and Luda as Artemis were watched over by Pegasus, the great winged horse spirit. Pegasus holds a strong resentment for men, implying that there may be some truth to the myth of Bellerophon, so much so that some furies use the bridle of Bellerophon as a poetic metaphor for the hand of man as it tries to master the most sacred places of the wild. In summary, the Black Furies are a tribe of mostly female Garu that pride themselves on their independence and self-sufficiency. They are powerful warriors who use their passion and skill to defend Gaia, the wild, and women the world over. Woe be to the man that doubts their skill and determination, for they will fall quickly to the axe, fang, and claw of Fury Incarnate. I think that's probably enough for tonight, though. I encourage you to reach out to others for more information on the Furies, as I am sure that I have not done them nearly the justice that they deserve. Next time we get together, we'll move on to the Bone Nars. But for now, tuck in and don't let the worm bite. That's it for this week's episode of Lore of the Apocalypse. If you have any comments or suggestions, reach out to me on either Twitter or Patreon by searching for the underscore toe ring. Thank you all for listening, but a very special thanks goes to my patrons, Bambi Parsons, The Primogen, and Alex M. Without your support, the battle for Gaia would have already been lost. <laughs>